0: Hello Canopy Church, I'm Johnny and together with Amy I lead Trinity Church in Nottingham and uh, it's great to be speaking to you today. I know that um, I already know many of you and, and many of you will know Amy and I, as I said we're in Nottingham, England which is a place famous for its bandits and its sheriffs but we are praying uh, one day famous for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's certainly why we're here. And uh, as you can probably see behind me, our, our heart and our vision as a church is to see the church on fire and the city alive. And I know we share that heart with you because we've visited you a number of times before and many of your congregation we know really well and we hold you uh, in such a dear place in our hearts. And so it's a real privilege to be able to speak to you now and uh, to speak on the subject of freedom in the wilderness as you journey into a Uh, a teaching series where you're looking at what the wilderness is and its contribution in our lives. And I'm uh, doubly glad to be doing that. Firstly, because Todd asked me and I've learned over the years, uh, it's always a good thing to say yes to Todd. He's uh, been responsible with Lisa for so much life and uh, grace just flowing through my life and Amy's life. And um, it's just given me so many great opportunities. So very grateful for that. But also because we as a church, we as Trinity, have been journeying through the wilderness together over Lent. It is just a profound Lenten theme. And what we found, um, not least because uh, this coronavirus situation has sort of led us into this extended wilderness period, is that that this metaphor for the wilderness has become particularly resonant and powerful for us as a community. So, as I said, it's a double blessing to be able to uh, speak to you about some of what we've been looking looking at and some of what we've learned. And the truth about the wilderness is this that uh, every Christian will spend uh, probably prolonged and uh, multiple times in the wilderness in their lives. It's one of the things, it's one of the themes, the desert, the wilderness, it's one of the themes that we all return to in our walk with Jesus. And so it's hugely important we understand what God's trying to do there and how we are to uh, prepare ourselves and respond. So. My text today, deuteronomy eight, and I'm going to read from verses one to five. you could you honestly read this whole chapter and not exhaust uh, the meaning, but I have about twelve minutes, so I'm going to stick to five verses, and this is what we read: Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may pos- so that you may live, sorry and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord." Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. An incredible scripture. This is the word of the Lord. And um, it is incredible. It's so rich. And I I just want to draw out and pull out some of the features, the key features from uh, this particular text. And the first one I think we, we, see, uh, we see here, but we also just see it in our own lives at the moment, is that the wilderness is characterized, one of the key features of the wilderness is that it is a place of enforced isolation. Very few of us choose the wilderness. We don't normally sort of seek it out. We might go on a, a day or two spiritual retreat if we're feeling particularly spiritually uh, alive or maybe particularly spiritually hungry at a given point in time. But very few of us will choose a sustained period where we are alone with God. It's, it, the wilderness tends to choose us. It's somewhere that God tends to take us. And I think that's what we're seeing at the moment. This period of enforced isolation is, if, is as if we're all together going into the wilderness at one point. It was about three weeks ago that our government said to us that uh, we're in lockdown. You can't leave your house unless you're exercising. And even when you do, uh, you need to do that near your home. You can go to the shops. Uh, but that's about it only essential activities were allowed. Now there's a little bit of wriggle room there and some people took that a little bit further than they should have. But the point is we all were forced to consider what isolation was really about and what it looked like for us. And that's what the wilderness is. The wilderness is a time of enforced isolation. But let's not misunderstand it. It isn't a time where it isn't a time or a place where God isn't. In fact, uh, Richard Rohr, uh, one spiritual teacher said, the wilderness is a time where all you've got is God. It's a time where you're face to face with God. It's just you and him. And that's been my experience. And I think that was the experience of Israel. Israel, if you remember, had been delivered from slavery and they'd known what it was like to live under the hard taskmaster, Egypt. They'd taken instruction from Pharaoh and Pharaoh's minions and they'd had everything handed to them every instruction, every detail. And now God brought them into the wilderness to learn how to listen to a different voice. They had to get alone with him. And that's what the wilderness is about. And secondly, and related to that, is the wilderness is a place of preparation. We see this in verse one. And we have to get this because if we don't understand this, we're going to think of the wilderness within the paradigm of punishment. And it's not that. It is about preparation. Look at this. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. You see, the purpose of the wilderness is that we prosper. God takes us there to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a future and a hope. The purpose of God leading us into the wilderness is to prepare us to carry a greater measure of favor, a greater measure of blessing, a greater measure of his presence within us and among us and that's why we're there at the moment together because God wants to pour his spirit out I believe into his church and even upon nations but he has to he has to get us into the shop if you like to tune us up first we see Paul talking about this in second Corinthians 4 and I'm paraphrasing here but he says isn't he these light and momentary afflictions are preparing us for a weight of glory that none of us is yet seen God wants to do more for us and in us and through us. He want, but he has to first prepare us. Otherwise, the weight of his glory would crush us. He has to humble us, to test us, to hollow us out, if you like, so that we're able to carry more of him with us as we go. And we do that as we learn to be fed by him. That's the preparation. Learning to go to him every day and ask him for daily bread. Learning to live on his words, on his voice and uh, not on our own strength and our own understanding. And so, thirdly, we might say that the wilderness is a place of training. Verse 2 Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you. And that word test is the word, it, it's the word that we use when we talk about purifying metals. Again, it's not punitive, it's not about punishment, it's about purification. It's about God taking us to a different level of consecration and readiness for what he wants to do in and through us. You see, Israel was called to carry God's Shekinah glory, his kavod, his weight with them. And if they were going to do that, they, ne- they needed to work on their muscles. They needed to work out. And the wilderness is a place of training, of testing. And every time we pass a test, a test which says uh, that we're to listen to some other voice, it's as we refuse to do that, that the muscle that we're working on is strengthened and we're able to carry more of God with us. Personally, I would say this, that one of the key features of this isolation is that I've been able to slow down. And to some degree, calm down. Now I have four kids and I've been doing homeschooling. So let me, let me be clear. It's not been that calm in our house. But one of the key features is this idea of when I quieten down the busyness, what I actually begin to hear are some of the internal narratives I've been living under. Some of the taskmasters from Egypt. And one of them for me particularly is, Johnny, you perform. You need to perform in order to be loved. You better put some good content out there. Otherwise, you're going to be missing the moment. You'd better shape up as a leader because this is a moment not to be missed. And I've just been able to and had to repent of that and recognize that for what it is. That is a voice of Pharaoh. It is not the voice of God. God wants me to come to him every day. Surrender that attachment, that false attachment, could be to entertainment, could be to sports, could be to something else. But to surrender that and move toward him into intimacy, to be trained by him. Thirdly, or finally, or fourthly, where are we? Fourthly, (laughs) because it's a place of training, because it's a place of preparation and isolation, it is a place, the wilderness is a place of transformation. The experience in the wilderness isn't easy, but it is a gift. And it's a gift because it's a greater invitation to us to rely on him, to to be drawn close to him, uh, to feed and rest in his presence and his power that isn't easy, as I've said, but it is transformative. And I tell you this, none of us, as I said, very few of us at least, choose the wilderness. None of us chooses the state we're in when we go in. But this is the promise that if we surrender to him, if we work with him and walk with him in the wilderness, we come out as different people. That is what I believe God wants for us, for Canopy Church, for Trinity Church, for Johnny Hughes. He sure as heck wants it for Johnny Hughes and maybe for you too. And I pray for you that as you learn to hear his voice, go to him for your manner, for your sustenance every day, that you would find that some of the other attachments fall away and you're able to walk into a greater fullness, a greater communion, a greater intimacy which becomes for you the source of transformation. That is what God wants to do in us. That is what God wants to do in our churches and our communities in our nations. And in our world. So, Father, teach us how. Teach us how to surrender to you, to trust you, to love you, to walk with you, to work with you. Put your grace upon us, God. Prepare us. As you isolate us, God, would you actually call us into communion with you? And I pray for a greater measure of your Holy Spirit's fire on the church in these days, particularly now I pray for Canopy Church. I pray everybody hearing this right now by your grace and your grace alone will be empowered and inspired by the Holy Spirit to walk with you. And I pray, Lord, that all obstacles that are seeking to disrupt and distract in this season would be gone in Jesus' name. And I pray for peace the peace which surpasses all understanding, to guard the minds and the hearts of your community in Costa Mesa. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. We'll speak to you soon. Amen.